Good morning, LBC Radio. You are listening to The Story with Corey Rosen and guest Cassidy Martin. Cassidy Ray is an actor, stage manager, and director in the Lancaster area. She strives to create a safe physical and mental space for people to create art while encouraging them to achieve beyond their expectations. Cassidy strongly, strongly believes that the best art is challenging, thought-provoking, and genuine. She believes that theater is for all people regardless of their age, race, ability, or social status. Over the past 12 years, she has been seen on stage and behind the stage with companies such as Creative Pursuits, Prima Theater, Servant Stage Company, and The Fulton Theater, among others. Some of Cassidy's recent projects include directing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown at Lancaster Bible College and stage managing The Adams Family with Creative Pursuits Academy. By far, her most rewarding work is as an arts educator, teaching theater classes, directing summer camps, and investing in young artists. Cassidy is passionate about all aspects of the arts and plans to pursue that passion for years to come. With all that said, how are you doing? I'm doing so well. I got nervous all of a sudden. Right. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it becomes real at some point. Very it does. Fast. Um, that's, that's exactly how I felt uh, yesterday when we started this. Um, and yeah, right, because it's live on radio. Hey. Hello. <laughs> all right. So, Cassidy. What first inspired you to be a musician? Oh, wow. Okay. So when I was a kid, Hannah Montana was the big thing. Right. Um, and I didn't have Disney Channel growing up, but my grandma did. And so when I went to visit my grandma, I would watch Disney Channel, and I would hop on YouTube when I was at home and, and, and watch Hannah Montana. So my, my idea in my life was that I was going to be the next Hannah Montana. <laughs> But my... <laughs> that probably plays into your current identity crisis. <laughs> Maybe it does. Maybe I just don't know who I am. Um, but I w- my, my name was going to be Maria Bennett, and I was going to wear a straight wig that was like like black hair with bangs. Mm-hmm. Maria Bennett. And I thought that was the most cool, awe-inspiring, like, <laughs> altered personality. I wanted to be a rock star. Um, and so... Just like Hannah Montana, but cooler. Maria Bennett was going to be cooler. Right. It um, always has to be cooler. Absolutely. So anyway, I you know I I started singing, and then um, eventually developed a love for theater, and and kind of took off from there. But Hannah Montana was the start. Hannah of Montana. Everything. <laughs> if if you learn anything from Cassie Martin, learn that she started with Hannah Montana. <laughs> so true. Um. So when did you start? Uh, Getting involved with theater. Yeah, absolutely. So I took piano lessons for a long time, and I would not practice piano. Instead of practicing piano, I would sing my piano songs because they had lyrics sometimes with them. Oh, gotcha. So so instead of playing the piano, I would sing. (laughs) And my mom was like, wait a minute. Why am I paying for piano lessons when this child wants to sing? So I took voice lessons. Um, my first voice teacher was Mr. Michael Truitt, who is the reason why I am who I am today. He um, was my first voice teacher. You know, after a couple lessons, he was like, "How do you feel about acting?" <laughs> and I was ten at the time, um, and so I was like, "Yeah, whatever, I'll do anything." And you know, so I started right. um, acting it, and he really encouraged me. And he was like, "I think you have a really, a really natural gift for this," and kind of took off. So my first actual audition was um, at the Fulton Theater okay. in Lancaster. And um, 
I booked it. Cassidy Martin, 10 years old, um, <laughs> walked in auditioned. Yeah, and I and I got it, and it just, that was like a, um, they call that a production lab. So the, the kids in the ensemble also took theater classes. Gotcha. Um, when they were not on stage. So we would be at the studio taking classes. We would go on stage, perform a little bit, come off. It was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Did I say that? No, you did not. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's right. I was was in the ensemble. I was one of the sewer rats um, is what we called ourselves. And um, (laughs) I never seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So that was just like, (laughs) I was one of the sewer rats and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I was like, okay. That's right. So in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, for for people like you who don't know, it's, um, Long story short, they get in this magical car and they fly to this land far away that's called Vulgaria. Bulgaria or Vulgaria? Probably Vulgaria. I think it's Vulgaria. Vulgaria is an actual place. Oh, really? Bulgaria is a country, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it's something like that. Right. And and someone can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, they they fly there in this magic car. This family flies there in this magic car. And um, they find this place where children are not allowed. Mm. Children are prohibited. Um, and there's a mean, evil man called the child catcher who runs around and catches the children and takes them off and puts them in jail. So the kids live in the sewer to, um, to be safe, you know, so they don't, they don't, um, get caught by the child catcher. So there's a scene in act two where, um, the two main characters and the two children with them are in the sewer and all the kids come out and they're like, oh, this is where all the children went. They're in the sewer. So. Gotcha. Basically, um, I was a sewer rat is what we called ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we had two scenes in act two. So we had a lot of downtime. Um, and so during that downtime, we were taking classes. And that was like, that was it. I was that like, was I want to do this. Sold. I was going to do this anytime I can, anywhere I can. And I did. So yeah, that's fine. Well, yeah. while, 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 while you were describing, <laughs> I'm having a rough one. Uh, while, while you were, I'm going to stop saying while. <laughs> During your discussion yes. and, and uh, your explanation of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, I was thinking, okay, so it's like Harry Potter, but it's the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and because <I was> like, <laughs> they fly in the car to like Netherland. And, That's Peter Pan. Netherland? I know that is Peter Pan. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm just, just thinking in my mind, how is this going? Um, it's true. It, dude, there are a lot of musicals that are just whack and weird. This is, and this was the golden age of musical theater, yeah. which I think should be called the Dark Ages. Because Golden Age Musical Theater is just so wacky. That, it's just it's, bonkers. It, it is bonkers. And, and this child catcher man was terrifying. Um, you know, they gave him this like prosthetic face and it was like a like a witch man. Um and it was like scary. He like ran around with this giant um cart, this horse and this giant like cage and he would catch children. Like that's terrifying. That is terrifying. <laughs> it's like almost Pinocchio kinda. Stuff. Yeah, it's so creepy, but we were all for it. Oh, right, right, right. We're like, oh, we love getting, we love him. Like, I love living and, in the sewer. You, well, and, you, and then you, like, you know the actor that's playing the child catcher. And you're like, oh, I love him. He's awesome. He, tra- he catches children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I funny. remember correctly, I think the child character's catcher was played by Donovan Hoffer, who is now kind of famous on TikTok. Oh, yeah? Um, pretty, pretty, inf- oh, he was on American, America's Got, American Idol. American Idol. There's, there's, there Ameri- are several. There are a couple American. Singing, singing talent, talent shows. shows. There are but, a few um, of those. He does. Um, he does musical theater drag because he has a really high falsetto and he can sing oh, crazy cool. high. Um, yeah, so we'd be like, "That's ah, just Donovan," you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So, out there, let's go about him a bit more. You should. Yeah. He's he's crazy talented. 
All right, so that was your first uh, gig, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Where so it grew from there. Um, did you? When was your first? Have you ever had a, a lead or? When was my first lead? I think my first lead. Hmm. Uh, the uh, timeline gets mixed up in my brain. I did a lot of work at a, a quad theater. Right. In um, New Holland, which. Now it's in this little shopping complex, but back then, in the, in the OG days, it was a little bit down the road, oh, yeah. um, attached to a tire shop. And so, of course, why? Where else would you would you sing and dance? Um, and so, I did a lot of ensemble work there. I think my first lead was Bet in Oliver with Kavad. Oh yeah. Um, which was like they they moved from that place, the tire shop. To this new complex, which actually the building used to be a fashion bug. Oh. And I remember going there with my mom and, and shopping for clothing and being like, this is where Kavad's gonna be. Interesting. <laughs> so they moved, and that was, I think the, Oliver was like the first show we did when we moved. And that was back when they did shows at Living Waters Theater, which was Sight and Sounds Old Theater. Sight and Sounds Old, yeah. Now it's a church. Beautiful theater. Anyway, long story short, I was bet in Oliver, who is. The lead, one of the lead characters, Nancy, her best friend. Gotcha. And that was my first like big kind of step out. I got to sing by myself. I got to tap dance on the table. That That's was fun. fun. Yeah. That was fun. It was me and my good friend, um, Austin Nedro, who's currently studying at um, Michigan University for musical theater, okay. which is a super prestigious program. Yeah, he's, it is. Yeah. He's so talented. Um, two of us got to tap dance on the table, and it never broke once. It never broke once. Never That's- broke that's a good thing. But we uh, we busted it up on that on that table, so it was it was a lot of fun. So that was my big kind of my first big bigger oh, role, yeah. yeah. And then I went on to do stuff in high school and so forth. And then uh, so you you were a musical theater major in, in your college career, right? Yes. Uh, so how did you come to Lancaster Bible College? Yeah. So I live fifteen minutes down the road from the college, and. Um, I knew I wanted a musical theater degree. I actually graduated high school a couple years early because I was like, I am ready to study theater. I am ready to do what I love. I'm ready to get going. Um, And so, you know, LBC is super close. And my mom's actually a professor here. Mm -hmm. She, um, at the time, she was a professor, full-time professor. Now she's the head of the education department. That's a recent installment. She's like the smartest person I know. Yeah, she just took over... I think this past year as head of the education oh, department, oh. Um, which is so cool. So, yeah. um, so there was that connection, and I took acting classes from David Felty at the time, who was the head of the program mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, I guess that's like five years ago now. Four, four, four and four, a half, five, yeah, or five. something like that. Um, anyway, so it just it just felt it just felt right. I it was it was close to home. I could. Um, you know, live at home, save some money, and... Right, saving money is important. It's so important when you're trying to be an artist for a living. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but LBC has, has a specific policy when it, when it comes to, like, professor children coming to LBC. Is that correct? Yes. We so. get we get lots of breaks. <laughs> right. We, um, yeah, a lot of... The, we get a significant... What's that called? Scholarship. Scholarship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... With that in mind, going throughout your college career and how, because that can that can affect someone's a reputation. Uh, because you'll because some people might just be like, 
well, she only got in because her mother is mm. the, is a professor and, you know, she doesn't have any real talent or whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so how did that ever pop up in your college career? You know, it, it did pop up. A lot of times it popped up in the sense of, um, oh, you get to come here for so cheap. And I'm like, uh, I guess you're right. You know, I didn't I didn't really do anything to earn that. That was something that was that was gifted to me um, by the college through my mom. Um but it was such a small program at the time that, um, you know, it, a lot of people were who auditioned were getting in. So there wasn't as much of a competitive nature to it as it is now. And that's, now it's that's fair. It's very super competitive. competitive. Yeah. Um, and it's that probably helped helped you a lot at least. Yeah, yeah, with with getting in and, and getting started. Um, and I knew a lot of the people here already, so I had. Not just my mom as a connection, but also the other people. Other so people. they also, so they, so they knew that you had uh, the talent behind the. You had a you had a right to be here effectively. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Um, you know, I will say it's it's different when your mom is on campus and your. Well, I'm sure your name is attached to hers and hers is attached to yours and, um, your friends are in her classes. You know, and they come to you and I. <laughs> I would try to get t- people to, to trash talk her as a joke. You know, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, Dr. Martin, she's the worst. She's just such a mean lady. Don't you and agree? her homework is so hard. And they'd be like, what? No, like, I, I love her. She's great. And I'm like, yeah, that's my mom. <laughs> so I, I, I my mom's great. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, I agree. But so I never really got anyone with that, which I guess is speaks to my mom's reputation and how awesome she is. Yeah. Um, I never got anyone to say anything, anything bad about her. But um. Someday, maybe I'll, I'll fool someday. someone. <laughs> someday, I'll get somebody. Um, yeah, that's okay. So you came here, uh, and you had, what was your experience like at college? Because there's been mm. so many, you know, four years is a long time. And I having having had some conversations with you previously, mm-hmm. and just knowing you as a friend, um, you've been through it. A little bit. I have been through it. Yes. You know what? High school was hard in that um, I didn't have a ton of friends and and people are mean, but college was just brutal. It's a different world. It's a different world. And four years is so long. And I started college. I've always been a little bit mature for my age. Um, I started college when I was 16. Really? So, yeah. So I graduated a couple years early. Um, wow. skipped third grade. That's a, that's how everyone reacts. It's always just like a well, because well, I know I'm <laughs> I'm used to getting that reaction because I'm like I graduated high school at 17. I started college at 17, so I'm like a younger person yeah. too. And people are like what? what? How but, do you do that? Yeah. But in a year earlier, it's just more impressive to me. No, you know it's it's potato potato tomato tomato. You right. know um, that's valid. <laughs> but I'm just like someone came here earlier than I did. What? And it's definitely a competition. And, and for sure, it's, it's totally a competition <laughs> and it's totally based off skill alone. A hundred percent. It wasn't, you know, and I was granted some really cool opportunities. I, I was able to skip third grade when I was young because um, I just things were going too slow for me. And then my my high school. Were you a gifted child? I was labeled as gifted. gifted yeah. High IQ with so high achieving. I, yeah. yeah. You know what? It's a curse. It is no, a curse. It's a, it's a huge blessing. And I'm it's one of my favorite things about myself is is how my brain works. I think it's so cool. I'm a gifted child. However, it's also comes with its own brand of like neurodivergence and all that jazz. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's it's something we talked about yesterday about being have like I have ADHD like severely bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so 
we we can get into that a bit later but mm-hmm. i i would like to for our radio time i would like to get into the the meat of the college experience which was oh, yes which was the casting and the uh issues within the the casting that you saw here at Lancaster Bible College. Absolutely. I love how we button trailed there to um <laughs> to giftedness. Yes. So so when I my college experience was brutal. I came in um off of a you know, some some really cool achievements in, in high school. I played a, a couple leads and um always worked really hard. That was something that that every director said about me was Cassidy is someone who works hard. Um, and I was proud of that. And maybe at times a little bit too proud of that. But, um, you know, it's it's all in the balance. It's all in the balance. It's yeah. all in the balance. And, and it's I'm all part learning. of the journey. It's part of the journey. And I was 16. And so I think every right. 16 is a little bit cocky. Every 16-year-old <laughs> is a know-it-all. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I am not immune to that. And still, you know, it's it's always a, a struggle. But, um, you know, I came here and I knew. I was like, you know, probably seniors are going to be getting the roles. Mm-hmm. And Typically I need to put my time in. Um, and so I did, and I, I put my time in, and I told myself that whatever role that I was placed in, I was going to be the best that I possibly could be. My mom used to say, if you're a tree in the ensemble, be you the best tree, tree so you can hard. be. You better tree so hard. You better be so convincing as a tree. You better go whoosh. You better wind. whoosh real, real good. <laughs> like, And that was the thing. It was like, always do the best that you possibly can do. And, and I knew I was a hard worker, and I worked so hard. And... What I realized was I was very consistently put in the ensemble of shows, partially because I was good at it, but also because I was a strong dancer. Um, and that's a that's a fair point because a lot of there there's the there's three things you have to do in musical theater. There is singing, there is dancing, and there is acting. Mm-hmm. Many people have the acting. Some people don't have the sing. A slightly less amount of people have the singing. But yeah. then a substantially less from from there have the singing, acting, and dancing. That is mm-hmm. the trifecta. And there's levels of dancing, too. Like, there's dancing, like, you know, just basic waltzing. And then there's, like, tap dancing or ballet. Yeah. There's like, like, Zachary Fernback. Kicking your face. Oh, he's crazy. He's in- <laughs> what a crazy insane. man. He, and I think his body was just built to dance. I mean, truly you was, can tell yeah. in the way he moves. You're like, that was, I mean, that's God right there. Right. That he, he gave you quite a gift. Um, and he uses it. He he does his split leaves and he has a great time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was one of the things I was I was one of the one of the strongest dancers here. Um, you know, it was a pretty small program at that point. But um, you know, at some point I got to the point where I was like, where am I in in the in the pattern of of these shows and who who's getting the leads? And what I noticed is that the same people were getting the leads every single time. Every single time. Um, and in my brain, I was like, that doesn't make sense because I, there wasn't a, as much of a notable, noticeable difference in our classes. Like in classwork, I was always that person who was like, what can I do to be better? And in fact, after every single audition here, I would go to the panel and I would say, what was I missing? Like, like be candid with me. What, what was it that right. set me apart? And a lot of the times the answer that I got was, you're great. You're great. There just wasn't a place for you. Um, that's gonna make me get teary eyed. Yeah, that, uh, that's like going going to the panel themselves and saying what what why why didn't I cut it would cheer me up and I wouldn't be able to ask that question. That's and, insane and it was for crazy you. because I, most of the times I got compliments and it was right. like you're great, your your acting is great, your singing is great, you dance awesome. Like it was always positive feedback. There just wasn't a place for you. 
and and show after show after show after show it was like there's not a place for you there's not a place for you and so eventually I got to a point where I was like is there no place for me in theater and I Mm. believed that for most of my college career that that there is no place for me in theater because that's what I was I was told right right um and that's brutal that is brutal that's brutal when you've been performing since you were like nine and I I had enough of a head on my shoulders to know it's not because I'm completely untalented um i always had a had a pretty good understanding of yeah there's people better than me there always will be there always will be and there always has been someone can always kick their face someone can always belt higher than i can and that's fine um but yeah the the, the message that i was given was there's no place and i was like well, what do i do what do i do, do i love it, yeah. theater i and and people people joke with me all the time they're like you know more about theater than anyone else i'm like yeah i love it it's 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 my passion i um i th- i believe i've been gifted with a heart for theater and and a, and a brain that comprehends it and can do all these different facets so when performing seemed to not be working out um i um it was a catch-22 because my confidence started to drop too right and then i would go to auditions outside of school and be like well i guess ensembles what i'm gonna do so um so you never like really went for it i never went for it i, I boxed mm. myself in because i believed that was the only place that i was valuable or useful and i knew i was valuable there right um but and and then not to get it twisted the ensemble is an, an, an incredibly important part of the process and it's super fun as well super fun and i'm and really passionate about it um and he can do a lot of things. He can be se- several things with there, several mean, different characters as well. Yeah, there were shows like I did. I did The Wizard of Oz, and I was that was a good crack. I know that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> I, I just cracked my knuckles for anyone who didn't hear that. But. That was great. Um, there there was a show I did at um at Lebanon Community Theater, Wizard of Oz, and I was um a tornado dancer and a poppy and a Ozian and you know like I was all these different tornado things. Dancer. Yeah, there's the tornado in the beginning. Uh, yeah, that, that's I, well, I've never seen like the the musical theater production of Wizard of Oz. So when oh. you said tornado dance, that, that that makes total sense. Now, yeah. that, now that you think about it, because how else would you portray that? It's a lot of like, we did it was a lot of lights and a lot of movement, and me and um well, a probably friend, a lot of gray. lots of gray and black. <laughs> um, me and a friend like carried like a garden hoe and like danced with it, almost as if the hoe was like right, you know, like flying, flying away. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. I don't know how I got there from here. What was I saying? But uh, you were saying that you had uh, you had gone to extracurricular oh, theaters yes. to gra- try to get positions, and you kept yeah. going to ensembles and then boxing yourself in. Yeah, boxing myself in, and and I loved the ensemble. But I was like, I mean, sometime I'd love to like have maybe like a line. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> and, right, right. And that was another thing. You know, at LBC when I audition, I would say, okay, my goal for this show is I want to have a speaking line, or I want to have one singing singing line. And the first time I actually achieved that was my junior year. Was it Ruth? Was, yeah. yeah even, Ruth. And even Ruth, I was an, I was an understudy for one of the main for characters. Brianna. Um, now Wilhelm. Brie, now Wilhelm, that's yeah. crazy. I was actually in her wedding. That was a beautiful day. Um, yeah, and, and it was like, what was I saying? Um, that was... And then, so I had an ensemble track for that show, and I also had a my understudy track. Mm-hmm. My ensemble track was just dancing. I didn't speak ever. I didn't. Um, okay, so, so that wasn't. I guess technically you weren't. Even though th- there was a whole plan for that anyway. Th- yes. That the understudy wouldn't participate regardless. Yeah, which uh, was awesome. Which was, was really which cool. was really cool, and I feel like that's like a that should be a constant thing, honestly. 
for like across many theaters because that that would just be you know dreams made for for some people it was and you know what it was an absolute dream and the the role that i understudied had the least amount of stage time of all the leads right and the days that i got to go on i was just like overjoyed and i was like this is so cool and you know i get to sing and um i have these lines and i get to go out and talk and i was just like i was living my moment mm-hmm. um and then i'd pop back in the ensemble and be like okay this is fine like it was it was cool to get to do all those different things and there's a lot of um there's a lot of interesting ideas in the theater community as far as, oh, understudies shouldn't go on because X, Y, Z. There's a reason the lead's the lead. They have the consistency, blah, 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 blah. That's but so stupid. That's, <laughs> you know, and I agree. I agree. It's 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 dumb because there is... If they meet an understudy, they can do the part. They can that's, do the part. That's the point of being an understudy. And why not give them at least some experience if, if they've never done it before? Just put them on stage. And it doesn't have to be for like consistently every single night either. Right. It can be... Like, yours was only one night, right? Two nights. I got two, two matinees. Nights. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they had four shows in total, and so it was two and two. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there was, like, an A and B cast. Uh, and Broadway does that all the time with, like, A and oh B A and B cast, right? Yes, and there are a ton of Broadway performers who perform, like, five shows a week, and their understudy goes on three shows. And in mm-hmm. the thing that, that I realized eventually is that people who get parts, at least the way it should be, is that it because... Um, because there's something unique about them that they bring to the role. But the thing with an understudy is there's also something different and unique that that person brings, brings to the role. role. Yeah. And both are equally valuable. I mean, every person has said that special. And, and this is something I try to teach my students as an educator is like, there's something special inside of you that nobody else has. has. You yeah. have experiences. You have, you know, grit. You have all these things. Um and that's special and valuable and worthy of being seen on stage. And besides, that's probably a good like show di- diversifier as well, because you know, not granted, every show is performed differently every single night. But how much more of an experience, different experience, would you get if there was just an entire B cast and you can see it from a different uh, point of view overall, like different chemistries between different because uh, yeah. there there's chemistry between like on like uh, the fake characters on stage, but mm. then there's the actual chemistry that can be shown through like like uh you and me are going to interact differently than you and like your best friend it's true acting right it's true so and having that completely different uh experience would be probably sell more tickets if i'm being honest probably it, yeah. you're right about that and it's, that's so interesting that you mentioned that because the understudy for naomi was my one of my really good friends Kayla Velazquez yeah, yeah, yeah and the two of us had had I think um very different but also in some ways similar experiences and we kind of bonded together over that um and we had one little scene together and we lived that scene like that was our and there was supposed to be this this special connection between Naomi and the narrator and I felt like when it was me and Kayla it was there like we didn't have to pretend or think about it we had that familiarity with each other um because it was more than just acting it was actually it was genuine because you guys yeah. have had these experiences um and do, do you want to start to go into those experiences we can dig into those experiences all right so for the <laughs> for those of you listening on the radio uh cassidy is a why don't, why don't you describe yourself so that way people don't think i'm being rude i am a human um, no, I'm an, I'm an artist, I'm an actor, an educator, a stage manager, a director sometimes. I love theater and I do as many things as I can in the theater world. 
That's me. I was talking about the uh, the issue. Oh, the <laughs> issue is, I was like, I can describe myself. I, know, I, I was... Totally fine. Oh, 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 I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Okay, so something that I realized <laughs> i'm sorry Corey. you're like you're like setting me up so well and i'm just like what right 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 well i don't, yeah. I don't want to because you know i understand what you're saying so i am a fat if you're watching on the live you can see i'm a fat person and um i genuinely believe that the fat is not a negative term but it is something that has been used against me um i believe in roles because i've been told you wouldn't quite look right next to our lead. Like you can sing the part, you can act it, you can dance it, but like you just you don't look right, you know, with our our man that we have right. playing the lead role. And then then there's sim- simpler ways, which might might have been there's no space for you here. Yeah, yeah, and it and it's so crazy. And then even as I look back, um, you know, in high school I was thinner than I am now, mm-hmm. and I got more leads, um than I do than I do now so it's right. it's a very interesting um direct correlation there um and it was always funny to me because I was like surely fat people do fall in love sure surely there right? surely there was a fat princess at one point right like Sur- surely fat people can experience emotions right <laughs> it, it, that's the you know part of my whole thing is like everyone has a story and everyone's story deserves to be heard. And so the message I was getting was, you know what? You're fat. Your story does not deserve to be heard. People right. like you don't fall in love. People like you are, you know, not worth don't have hearing. happy endings. Yeah. You don't get the happy. You get to you're be just your background characters. You get to be the background character. You get to be the mom, the old grandma or the sidekick, which is like, all right. <laughs> right. Surely there's more. <laughs> sure. Sure. There must be more than this. Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and th- and that also really affected how I viewed myself in in my daily life. Right. It was just like, all right, I'm, you know, unworthy. I'm undesirable. Um, the best place for me is somewhere where I can be easily hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's brutal. It is. That's very brutal. It's like you know, especially as, um, as a woman growing up, and and your image is so important. Right. Even if yeah. we want to say, um, that it's not. No matter who you are, especially females, it's like your image is important. And that, that's like culturally ingrained, too, that you must look a certain way or else you are worthless in some yeah. aspect or another. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had I've had a, plenty of people, plenty of casting people say, oh, it wasn't wasn't because you were fat. And then I'm like, OK, what was it? What was and it they then? can't quite articulate yeah. it. Um, and I'm like, interesting. interesting right? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't because I'm fat, but it wasn't because of anything else, was it? <laughs> exactly. And there's and there's something I realized about myself is I in my in my vocal studies, a lot of characters who are who are played by fat actors or characters who are supposed to be fat are really strong belters. Yeah. They belt their faces off. They have a like a brassy tone. That's like a stereotype. That's almost, a that's yeah. a stereotype in theater, definitely. And um that yeah, was not my voice. Like that my voice is not I have the stereotypical Disney princess voice. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, you do. It's yeah. like, and, I, and I've learned to really appreciate, like, I, I love my tone and I, the quality of my voice is, I think, so unique. Um, and so I was like, okay, I have the voice and the acting of an ingenue. You know, I would try to play these sidekick characters. Like, I'd, you know, pick out a song. Um, you know, I'd try to sing Tracy from Hairspray. And mm-hmm. my voice just doesn't, it wasn't built to do that. Right. And, like, maybe I could dance the part, but I was like, I cannot sing Good Morning Baltimore the way it's supposed right, to be so sung. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, great. Where where do I go from here? Like, 
if I can't even play the, the stereotypical fat chick in the right, show. Right, this is that you're a fat person with like a skinny voice. And, yeah. And some, like, yeah, absolutely. Thing, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, you know what? Something has to change here. Something has to change. And in, in my brain, it's like. It ain't me. <laughs> it ain't me. Because I. And, and you know what? The thing is, um, there is a lot to be said for the stamina that you need to do sure. theater. And um, <clears throat> I, you know, college, we've all had our moments in college where we eat McChickens, you know, um, for every meal. But I um, have always been someone who who's conscious about taking care of their body. Mm. And I'm always conscious about eating food that, food that fuels me. Right. And um, always dancing, love to dance, you know, so that there was never a stamina issue. Um, that I experienced because I, I could dance the ensemble of shows, which was much more, I think, physically draining than many of the leads. Oh no, absolutely, dude! Ensemble dances are insane. I did Shapoopy for the Music Man. And oh, I was, I was fit back then, <laughs> and I was dead. Shapoopy is brutal. We yeah. did that in. Um, we had like a musical review here at LBC, and mm-hmm, we did Shapoopy, mm-hmm. and that was actually the first. That's so interesting to mention. Actually, that was the first. Um, such a jarring moment for me because. I was, we were doing Shapoopy and there was like a little step out between um, Josh Ankebrandt, who who was in the program at the time and um, they needed a girl to kind of like dance with him and be his like, I don't know, like girlfriend or whatever. Um, and I'm like in the back, like chilling, like just doing my thing. And our um, director, Heather Grayberg, which is one of the few people who saw me for right. me and really um, embraced me. Heather Grayberg was like, is awesome. She is incredible. And I... Um, I'm just so grateful for the way that she saw me and she always advocated for me. Um, and she was like, you know, it's just a Cassidy. And I remember like looking at her and being like, are you sure? Like I've never, it was, I was a little bit taller than him. Plus my character shoes, you know, yeah, I was like, I can't even yeah. say that I'm like shorter and like, like, you know, cute right, and yeah. small, but, um, it's a whole other thing. She was like, she's like, that. dude, you can dance it. Like, get right, out right, here. right. Get out of here. Um, and and if for those of you who know Shapoopy, there's a really like complicated, cool looking leg thing that you do. It's weird. It's really. <laughs> I, I, that's what it's weird, man. It is very weird. It's it's very bizarre, I but um, weird. you know, I got to do it front and center, and and I got to do cute little acting bits with Josh, and we we were adorable. I look back on it, and I was like, we were so cute. And I look at the pictures, and I'm like, you would never for a second think, oh, that's weird. That that boy might think she's pretty. You know, it. it I look at the videos and I'm like, that's adorable. And it worked and it was, and it was really cute. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the end. I rest my case. The end. That's <laughs> it. Um, it, that's an, another interesting, uh, point that you brought up because there is a lot of like height issues within like the, the theater world and then like the movie world. Like for example, in Harry Potter, I know this for a fact that, uh, Hermione Granger, Emma Watson and, uh, Rupert Grint, who was just, by the way, just in Lancaster recently. Uh, Ron, oh my gosh. Yeah. Ron Weasley was, uh, Ron in Lancaster? was in Lancaster. Yeah, uh, but they were both way taller than Danny Radcliffe, Harry Potter. Oh. So they he had to have like stilts on, on or like not like stilts, but like, like high heel shoes. shoes. And they and they had like the to lower Emma Watson, and they couldn't wear like wear heels or anything wow. because he was shorter. And you know, granted, Harry Potter is supposed to be taller than them in the books for sure. But uh, but also that's that's like so much work when you could just be it, it'd be nobody would really care right and you know that's so interesting because as a child actor I was always really tall I started acting when I was like nine or ten um, and I would go to these auditions 
And the first thing they would do is measure you. They'd measure how tall you were. So I was always tall for my age, even when I was skinny mm-hmm. and I didn't have the, you know, the fat issue to deal with. It was like, um, I was always tall. And so they, they would, they would measure your height. And if you weren't the right height, you couldn't even audition. audition? That's insane. You, would, like, you weren't even considered at all. So there was, I mean, there was one audition. I auditioned for the sound of music at my, at my high school before I was in high school. And, um, and there were like probably 30 or 40 girls there and they made us all walk past the girl playing Liesel or no playing um Louisa who's like the second oldest daughter gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha, and gotcha. I was the only person sent home for being too tall and it just destroyed me because everyone else got to sing and mm-hmm. I was like at least let me sing at least at least give me the give opportunity me of auditioning even if you know you're not going to consider me like I'm a child. <laughs> right. A child. Least let me sing. And then don't like just send me home because I'm too tall or something. I can't change. Yeah. And that brings up another, oh, another it traumatizes. It was yeah. definitely trying. And you know what? Every, every theater experience I had taught me to hate my body, whether it was how tall I was, how fat I was, the way my hair was. I feel like it was always the message was you aren't fitting into my mold. Right. Cause theater is so nitty gritty and some, sometimes it has to be. Uh, some characters have to be yes. nitty gritty uh, because that's just how they are. And that's what the writer intended it to be. Yes. Uh, when it comes to like, like uh, specific ethnic uh, plays or Absolutely. stuff like that. If, it, if it's directly in the storyline, if, if it's it directly impacts in the storyline, the story yes. um, then it has to be, you know, there's no reason why Cinderella has to be, has to be skinny. Right. Or because there's nothing in the story. Has to be that white says, for that matter. True. Absolutely. Like, there's no the story is the same and Either way. honestly probably better if she's not white but <laughs> we could get into that right, right. <laughs> um yeah it's so interesting there, then there's also things with like a lot of theater companies will have multiple locations and they'll do a show in one location and then pick it up and do it in the other location because it's a different state mm-hmm. but they'll take the same costume packages from that location and so at auditions mm. this was i mean this was kind of traumatizing as a kid and they would measure you so and they'd you be like have to fit in. you have to fit into the costumes it wasn't yeah. even a matter of are you talented what can you bring to the story well, based it was merit at all it was not just... really it was a matter of can you carry a tune and do you fit this very specific skirt that we need you to wear on stage that we specifically ta- tailored for this one person we specifically tailored for this one person who lives six states yeah, away yeah, right and we'll never you will never know you will <laughs> never meet this person and you and and to have the same exact dimension, and they can do a little bit of altering, but right, like, but it, that's hard. That's, from what I remember, it was like you don't fit the costume, so sorry. That's so messed that's up. That's so messed up, and but, that's to me, that's not art anymore. No, that's that's about money, and that's about right. It's about money. It's yeah. Another objective that is not that is not theater because theater is stories, stories and genuine. Yeah, authenticity of the, that word. Yeah, genuine authenticity. That's one of them. That's the one. <laughs> one of those words. One of those. Both of them, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's uh, so intriguing because my side of theater was just I I did Shrek and okay. um and I at the time I was really really skinny so they had me put in a fat suit and you know I didn't really have to fit into something because I had to get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> you had to fit the other way. Yeah. yeah. I had to fit the other way. And yeah. That's all, dude. That's a whole other conversation of itself because of how bad they filled it with pillow stuffing. They gave me corduroy pants. They gave me wool hat for the Shrek years, and they gave me Hulk gloves 
for my hands. You were sweating. And I was on stage lights. The whole, the, show. the whole show. And my face was painted green. And they had to put hairspray. They had, like, hairspray in my face. So it's that nasty. way. It, it was. And they had, they dedicated an entire industrial fan to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is Corey's fan. It's, 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 well, because it, some people would use it. Like, some of the younger, um, mm. more... Uh, like like the middle school people would just use yeah. it and have fun with it. Um, this one girl was really annoying. I think she thought she was also entitled to it, but she you're like, listen, is your face painted green right now? Are <laughs> listen, you wearing are seven you layers? Even Fiona? No, you're you're no. Fiona's younger self. <laughs> you are baby Fiona, right? Um, <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> but yeah, so 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 my, and I was the jester jester and once upon a mattress. Oh, and, fun. Yeah, and uh, I was understudy for Beast and Beauty and the Beast as well. So I'm, I so. Those experience, and then I was like cast, whatever. Uh, those experiences, I'm, I'm just, I was just under the assumption. I've never been in like a professional uh, theater capacity, I should say. Mm-hmm. That's why, that's what I'm getting across. Yeah. So I, I've never known that. But it, well, now that you, now that you think about it, it just sounds obvious that that's how somebody would set it up to be, especially yeah. with like the, the driven by profit. Mm-hmm. And granted, theaters do have tight budgets. Always, always tight budgets. Every th- if if your theater doesn't have a tight budget, they're doing something they're wrong. Doing something <laughs> wrong. Um. So so on some level, I can understand that, but on mm-hmm. a different level, uh, there should be room. Absolutely, some wiggle room. Some wiggle room somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. Somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and there's it's interesting because each each. Theater is its own monster as far as high school theater. And even um, in my brain, when I go to see a show or experience an audition process at a local theater, I tend to pretty pretty much figure out eh, pretty soon, pretty right right away almost what they're here for. Mm -hmm. You can tell when when a theater is catering towards um, tourists and getting that money grab. And and well, there's in a way there's nothing wrong with it but there also is in in my heart and in my brain i can't justify doing theater for money um because it's art for me and maybe that makes me a hippie artist but that's how my love is theater my love is art right it, there's definitely a balance because to do art you have to have money yeah, and, and, that, and, and that, get paid a fair and get livable paid wage. a fair living living wage at yes. the same time and then you have to spend all this money to make this product, and then you have mm-hmm. to market the crap out of it, or else you're not going to get any money in return on it. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, it's 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 definitely a hard place to be in, especially as a as a theater who is more more attracting tourists than uh, local local audiences, like Sight and Sound, for example. Their mm. their audience is worldwide at this point. It is, um, yeah. Truly. And so their their entire uh, market and, uh, what is that called? Market strategy, whatever it is? Um, yeah, I see what you're saying, yeah. Is that they have to be the biggest, be the best, be the most extravagant mm-hmm. uh, theater that they can because as one of the only Christian uh I yeah. think the only Christian uh, theater, like solely based theater in the world. Yeah. Um, at least the nation. Uh, at, at that level, at least. At you that know, level. It's like at to that... have Christian theater at that such high production quality. Right. It's unheard of anywhere else. It's it's completely unheard of anywhere else. It, it makes total sense that they have to cater to outside because they're not going to reach that audience in like just in Lancaster, PA, or even PA in of itself. Mm, yeah. 
it's and they have the other uh, location, Branton, Missouri. That's right. But yeah. I do believe that Lancaster is is the better Booming. version of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not to throw any shade at Branson, but we love you, Branson. We love you, Branson. <laughs> but theater uh, Lancaster is just where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting because coming to LBC, I kind of felt like a training grounds for Sight and Sound. Um, yeah, that well, was a lot of what people were aiming for was, oh, like, I'm going to train at LBC and go to Sight and Sound. That's what I came for, actually. Is that, that, was, did you really uh, initially? Yeah, so, yeah. I, so I thought about it, and I was like, uh, as a music as a music composition major, I, I, yeah. I thought, I was like, I want to make these uh, shows that go on Broadway. And mm. then I, my, my parents were like, okay, how about, you know, real, realism check here? <laughs> and then I was like, Okay, fine. I'll just go work I at Sight and Sound. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's such small potatoes. That's, that's, yeah, right. That's, yeah, right. Because it's it's so much smaller and so much different. Um, and uh, I I I wanted to be either an actor because I I've mm-hmm. just come off the cusp of being Shrek and yeah. Beast and all yeah. those things. And uh, grant um, granted, there there was a gigantic reality check in that the mm-hmm. fact that the the mu- the caliber of musicians here is way above. In regards to singing, okay, because uh, I'm not a singer. I'm I'm not a very good singer. Mm. But uh, I had been trained and taught throughout high school that I was because I, I got I I was in a children's Baltimore choir. I yeah. had uh, I was in the acapella in my high school, which was a decent, highly cal- caliber group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I had done all these different. I've like on the states and such. So mm. I thought I was decent. Yeah. Um, but if, it's either that I wasn't. Or something happened in between, because you know you can injure your voice and injure your singing voice, and, and, and puberty, and you hit and, so many right. stages of puberty even when you're an adult. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure one of those things happened, and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be an actor, and then I wanted to just write music for Sight and Sound, and wow, yeah, and it's crazy because like you you think that's what you want, and I I did at some point too, and then I realized like my passion for theater and my mission field i didn't feel called to sight and sound mm. i felt like it was intriguing it was just cool and um you know production value value is is huge and to have a consistent paycheck sounds awesome and to have your name attached to that kind yeah. of a big theater yeah. um but i realized like that wasn't where my mission field was and, and um that wasn't what i was called to right and um that was such an interesting realization to come to when you're here and you're and you're trained and you're like sight and sound is like the thing the thing to do yeah because um, a lot uh, for those who don't know a lot of lbc alumni and even students uh go to sight and sound and perform there i know we know several uh, uh of our friends that we yeah. went to college with are at sight and sound right now in david yeah and they love it and they love and thriving it. yeah 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 and it's, it's interesting to, to get to that place where i was like i don't think i would thrive in a place like sight and sound it wouldn't set my heart on fire the same way that that doing theater in secular environments would. That's it, and that's a, another conversation because that I feel like I don't know exactly, but I think that should be more of a focus here than it is. But I, I could you speak to that a little bit? How much Absolutely. of a focus is that? Absolutely. Um, I think the program that I came into was really small, and right. so it's always been growing. There's been so much growth so and so changes. much change. And I think we're moving towards that. We're definitely right. not there yet. Right. Um, and I think part of that is like we used to have, we used to do more plays here. 
right. not a ton, but more. And that kind of fizzled out. Yeah, there was always a, a, mu- a spring musical and a fall like play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think... Or fall musical. Um, spring, I te- oh, it's like technically it's like a winter musical, fall, but whatever. We right, used right, to right, have right. two. Um, and the, the play used to kind of fall to the wayside um, because the, it is such a strong music program. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely saw music take over. And as someone who I have been very gifted with a, with a really, really cool voice, never the best. I was never, never the most vocally flexible. I was never the highest singer. I could never like, I was never up, up in the top there. You know, right. I was always like, I, I, and I was told by teachers that I was a very middle of the pack kind of person, um, which I interpreted to mean all around, but I realized it was just music wise, right. vocally middle of the pack. I can sing well. Um, I like my voice a lot. <laughs> it was very good. It's taken like me a long it. time to get to a point where I'm like, okay, you know, my voice is not the best, but it, I like it. Um, but um, what was I saying? Yeah, there's definitely a shift towards music. And as someone who is more passionate about the acting and storytelling side of things, I felt like there wasn't much of a many outlets there. Mm. Um, and we're definitely moving in the right direction. We just did um, Radium Girls. Right, yeah. Which is a really beautiful like dramatic crazy acting piece and i think um that's just the beginning of really good things um and something that's been a, a journey for me as a person is that i feel like the the best years of, of lbc musical theater are to come and and I, and I feel like i was here for a lot of growth and change it was really cool to because like because when when we are did you come in 2017 year 20 so, because 2016, I did Hello Dolly as a as a high schooler, and then I came in full time as a student in 2017. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like 2017 was like the well, uh, in my opinion, uh, like Matthew Wilhelm, uh, Richard Kowski, yeah. Zach Fernback, like these powerhouse Powerhouses. people, yeah, uh, like truly powerhouse people, uh, came into the program and really really set it apart from other programs like i, I remember dr bigley are the head of uh what is he head? he I was the head of choral studies choral studies and he's he's yeah. he's the, in charge of all the vocal stuff um to put it mildly he had said that the caliber of students here rivaled that of peabody oh wow yeah I, and Peabody and is no joke. Peabody is no Peabody is the pinnacle of music <laughs> education within the United States, um, and there's there's another one that I'm, I'm forgetting as well. But Peabody is is there, and uh, it and when when he had said that to me because I I was feeling a lot of like these people can do things I cannot cannot and, <laughs> I, and I, may I was never. <laughs> well I was going to get kicked out of college for my uh, percussion jury like stuff. Oh wow. I was a horrible practicer. I'll put it that way. Uh, but <laughs> it I wasn't just, your thing. You weren't passionate enough about it. I wasn't passionate okay. enough yeah. about it. But uh, what saved me was my composition. Thank God. Which you're awesome at. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, he. There, I had a talk with him, and he and he had said that, don't worry about it. These. This is not your average college experience. Mm. And that when he put it that way, and once I like actually saw other people of the age like doing their things, I I slowly realized. Because in my mind, Zach Fernback was like the pinnacle of male uh, musical musical theater theater. gold. Yeah, literally (laughs) musical theater gold. He's amazing voice, amazing looks, amazing uh, dancing. You know what? He's a quadruple threat. Because he has a look too, yeah. He's a dancer, he's a singer, he's an actor. 
He's got he's, Zach. I hope you listen to this. You're uh, Zach, awesome. You're awesome, and I, I wish to have you on the show. <laughs> um, shameless plug. Shameless plug. But uh, but uh, and like then you know you have Britt, who's an amazing singer. Um, mm-hmm. and you you had Matthew Wilhelm, who has just the most velvety voice you could ever imagine, like butter. And he, he when you think of a man like a masculine, perfect <laughs> man, I think of Matthew Wilhelm. <laughs> Because in the beard too, the beard is what really stole. He, he does grow a sick beard. A sick beard. Yeah. Um, and he he was always a really great storyteller too. He was, Not only was his voice phenomenal, phenomenal, but his his act. He made opera interesting, which is very hard to That's do. That's very hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to bring him on the show just to hear his voice in my head for Honestly, a solid three hours. People would pay for that. People, <laughs> yeah, I I would pay for that. Um. And like you have these gigantic powerhouses along with like Richard Thomas, oh, king, king, absolute hardest king. working human in the whole world, uh, and most talented per, like musical theater can major. Do anything, can do it. He <laughs> walk on stilts and juggle and do a backflip. Literally, Liter- he, no, literally, he literally can do all. Th- for those of you who don't know him, he literally does all those things. <laughs> all those things and gets paid. I hope wonderfully for it. Um, and then like Braden Crick uh, came yeah. in as well. Uh, he's a powerhouse singer, incredible singer, incredible singer. Like, oh my god, I mean, he's your stereotypical musical theater boy. You know, he's like, right, he, yeah, great voice. And he also is someone who works really hard. He's he's dedicated to the to the study of theater. And even when it comes down to like auditioning and the art of auditioning and the art of um the rehearsal process, he's there. He's looking at it and he's there. He's awesome. Yeah. So this is he's powerhouse musicians coming on, and that's what I really think launched. Uh, LBC, uh, MWPA, or specific, yes. specifically musical department, yeah, into sure. like stardom almost, yeah. Uh, because after that, only, only after that, then you have like Brad Meyer coming in and King and all these, yeah, all these other like kings and queens yeah. of like musical theater coming and all these different powerhouses coming in, and it, and it was, and that's why I was so intimidated because I, I didn't realize oh. that these these all were like specific handcrafted powerhouses yes. coming to a theater. I like to call them genetic monsters. Genetic. Because I think they, some of it is just they were gifted. They were gifted. They were incredibly. They were handcrafted by God to do theater. Yeah. And in many aspects. And many of them are also very hard workers. And it's there's cool. they yeah. and they they deserve it. Absolutely. And so so when I came in I was like and then then you have like the musical muse like the actual music side. You have Matt Cross. Oh, insane. In the drummer. most the Best drummer in the world. In the in the well, I I would <laughs> say in the world, but I know there. I know that that uh, Matt Cross, <laughs> Matt Cross would uh would deny that statement. He'd be shaking now if he heard that. Yeah, yeah. He he he's a super humble guy, super awesome Great dude. Great man. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that literally every single person here wanted him to play drums in their senior recital. Yes. Yes. He he's the go-to guy, and he's the only guy. And I came in as a percussion major. Oh no, Corey! Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it, was, it, was, it was him and me, and <laughs> no. I, and it was like, well, here's this like handcrafted drummer made by God, and then here's me who can barely play a drum set. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my gosh! That's, All I, did I was, guess I'm worthless, man. Well, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, so I, I had that whole like, what am I doing here? And wow! Then you had like you know Kate Kate Ray. Uh, on yes. piano. Um, yes. Oh, gorgeous performer too. Right, and you had Karen Munez on saxophone and and, and Adeline. Her voice. And her voice. Both of the, Karen and, and Adeline both 
were like crazy because like I knew them first as singers and then they like whipped out an instrument and started and playing and I was like, what can yeah. you not do? <laughs> and and I, I, Karen, uh, Adeline and I were, uh, have been really, really, really good friends. We've got, nice. we've traveled several and their voices meld so well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, uh, I see it. so all these powerhouse musicians come in and I'm like, where, where do I fit in? And I'm like the only composition major besides Lane Burkholder. Uh, and Lane Burkholder is his own monster in, in yeah. regards to like composition and everything. And I'm like, I haven't even written a song yet. And I'm here wow. as a com- uh, composition percussion uh, focused major. And I'm mm. like, do I really belong here? Like, yeah. how? And, and part of me thinks like, Okay, I had to audition for this, and they said yes. Right, someone and, uh, thought I was so, good at someone, some point, <laughs> but but uh, but it's also like, but they also said yes to all these other people. Mm, like, yeah, you know what I mean. And there's definitely something to be said for that imposter syndrome. Yeah, which is what it's a term people have been using recently. Of like, you know, there are other people who are better than I am, and and am I even worth it to right, yes. to hear? Yeah. Am I even worth being here? Um. Oh my gosh, I get that all the time now, especially as like a young director mm-hmm. i'll be like am my ideas really that cool or good and then i get into it and i do it and i'm like oh wait a minute i love this and this is so fun and yeah, there it's are, in there yeah, yeah there are times where uh i've been in like leadership positions but i don't realize it yes and that you actually have some swing and power crazy it is it's cr- it's a crazy thing to uh encounter Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've messed up a, a few opportunities because I didn't take that leadership role, and wow. I and uh, and part of me regrets that, but part of me is it's a little it's all a learning experience. You learned, yeah, and, you and that, that's all that, that yeah that's all you can do. You, 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 you know, it is what it is. Right. Um. On that note, we have to end our radio time. Oh no. Yeah. So, well, if you're listening on the radio, you can. We will continue this conversation on Facebook at The Story. Um, for those listening to The Story, we're going to keep going. Um, but first, in order to transition, we are going to hear a piece by Cassidy Martin herself. What? Would you like to introduce this piece? I would love to introduce this piece. So this is a song. Um, something I've been learning recently is that you don't have to sing anything impressive or, or crazy. You can sing because you just love to sing. Absolutely. And when Corey said, you know, I want you to like have a recording to play, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something that maybe is not necessarily technically crazy, but a song that I love to sing. And I think, mm. you, can, I think you can hear that when you listen to it. Um, so this is the song, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman, written by Miss Carol King herself, made famous by Aretha Franklin. Um, super timeless, great song. So I hope you enjoy Looking out on the morning rain I used to feel uninspired And when I knew I had to face another day Lord, it made me feel so tired Before the day I met you, life was so unkind. Your love was the key to my peace of mind. Cause you make me feel. 
When my soul was in the lost and found You came along to claim it I don't know just what was wrong with me Till your kisses, it helps me name it Now I'm no longer doubtful of what I'm living for Cause if I make you happy, I don't need to do more Cause you make me feel You make me feel You make me feel Like a natural woman Oh baby what you've done to me If you thought that was impressive, just know that she recorded that at 3 a.m. last night. <laughs> I worked a, a shift. I work at an events uh, event venue, and I worked from, what was it, 8.30 a.m. until midnight, and then went out to the diner afterwards, got some food, went home to my kitchen, and like, recorded Oh, shoot. That. I got to record this. Record it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, if that's what you can do at 3 a.m. in the morning... And I know personally that she can do way, way more than just that. Woo. Uh, where, where can they find you? Where can they find me? On social media, my handles are, well, my Instagram handle is at Cassidy Ray Martin. Ray is with W-R-A-Y. You can see the spelling online at the story. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. Cassidy Ray is my name. Give me a, give me a good old friend request. I'm there. I think I have an old Twitter account. Do you have like a, a Facebook page or anything? Or as an artist, no. You should probably get on that. You know what? And I've been thinking. I when I graduated, I almost made a, a website for myself. I feel like that was almost like a requirement for some people. I know, but that's what you did. You graduate, right. and you make a website, and I, I need to. I I, to be honest with you, like got into the beginning processes of it, and I bought my domain name. Mm. But then I was like, I got self conscious, and right. I was like, 
is this actually worth it? Do I actually, am I actually going to keep up with this? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, looking at it now, I'm like, yes, I want to have it. I need to have it. I have plenty of things to put on there. So what's the, what's the domain then? You know what? I wish I remembered. I wish I, I remembered. I think it's www.cassidyraymartin.com. Well, if it's you remember, I'll yeah. put it. I'll put it in the post for sure. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, uh, radio, it's time for music. <laughs> 